We were driving back from home, and I'd seen this a few nights ago, but you know how I've taught and believe. I believe the Holy Spirit can indwell and fill uh, a young child the same as it can an older person. And uh, I ran across this praise and worship of this little girl. She was in a Pentecostal service. It wasn't very many big beautiful church but I don't know if it's a special night or what but there wasn't uh, church wasn't full by no means she was in the third row from the back two years old little blonde hair she was standing up and I gotta be honest with you I looked at her and looked at her and watched her she didn't say anything but she had both hands lifted up and you could tell the spirit of God was moving upon that child and then yesterday, me and Dustin was driving back home from work, and <clears throat> he, uh, I asked him to pull up that little girl. And uh, we got her up there and listened to, uh, just watched that and listened to the music. And then there was a little five-year-old black boy. And, <clears throat> of course, you could tell he was raised in church. And he prayed for five minutes. And you tell me that little boy didn't have the Spirit of God upon him. So this morning, we want to continue in our thoughts about how uh, God has blessed the church through the indwelling and power of the Holy Spirit. Today I want to talk about unity in the body of Christ. And I'd like for you to open your Bibles to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. I want to begin with verse number 4. The Lord was speaking and he said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Verse 5, and now, O Father, glorify me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them thy words, which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. And verse number 9, <clears throat> I pray for them, I pray not for the world. This is the Lord himself. He says that he had finished the works, and he said, I pray for them. Listen to this but not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Now, of course, he was talking about the disciples, the apostles, believers. He was praying for them. His work on earth was just about finished. And the disciples he trained still were not quite ready for the work of head ahead. There was jealousies. Who would be the greatest? Who would have the highest position? Were they growing? Yeah, they were growing. But they weren't developed in a lot of ways. They were a work in progress with so much to do. Josh, I thank you for the scriptures you shared this morning. In fact, ever since I've been in this service and walked through the doors, I, I, I've really felt the anointing. I have felt uh, the love of God. I have felt the unity. I have felt the flow of the Spirit. You know, the Lord said, the fields are ripe, ready for the harvest. That's a powerful word right there. Just dwell on that. I want you to turn with me to Colossians. I'm going to share some scripture. I want to look at Colossians 
chapter 1. I'll get there left-handedly in just a moment. I didn't know it was going to take you that long to get there, Brother Lee. Goodness. <laughs> i got to go a little farther. Oh, boy. Thank you. I want to look here in Colossians chapter 1, and I want to look at verse number 18. He was departing, the Lord was, and uh, the church was staying behind. He said in verse number 18, for he is the head of the body. That's the church. Amen. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that all and in all things he that he might have the preeminence. You see, man can be a lot of things, but he cannot be head over the church. He cannot be head over the church. Christ is head even over every nation. Every kindred, every tongue, all peoples, every race, every culture, the high, the low, the rich, the poor, every male and every female ever want to be male and ever want to be female, the transgender even, ever Target, ever Starbucks. Wow, the nerve of these people being created being creator, he is sovereign over everything. But this morning, I'm not going to talk about the everything. I'm going to talk about the unity in the body of Christ. You see, the church is his body. And only is the church his bride. He is head. Can we say that this morning together? He is head. He has departed. The church is left behind. The church is growing. It is slowly growing. Now what I'm saying, I'm not talking about numerical numbers. I'm talking about the church is growing. We're growing back into the church that was birthed on the day of Pentecost. We're coming back to that. We're believing in that. Verse 23 of this same chapter says, If we continue in the faith, grounded and settled, not moved away from the hope of the gospel which we have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Somebody says, how could that possibly be? The Bible says that God has given to every man a measure of faith. The Bible says that he lighteth every man that cometh into the world. We will not have excuse. Somebody says, well, you know, Brother Lee, there's some that are going to have to, they're going to have to learn about God in the millennium. I don't look toward a millennium because the harvest is ready right now. God will take care of the millennium. I, I, this is all I'm saying. I'm not speaking out against anything in it or anything else. I'm just saying we don't know much about it. Yes, God will always do the right thing. Amen. But I really don't believe in second chances. I believe the Lord knows the heart of the individual that has lived in this physical life. And I believe that every individual has an opportunity to be saved if they desire to be saved. It will not take another thousand years to get somebody saved to know the Lord. Amen? I think that is an awful good God. Amen? I think that's 
Well, good God, I, I love to praise him. I felt the power of God during the message and the songs. I felt the power of God in the instruments. I felt the wave up over the church. I felt the freedom that comes in the Spirit. He says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. And I feel that liberty this morning. Hallelujah. I want to go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just want to start off here this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to look at verse number 12. I've entitled the message, Unity in the Body of Christ. For as the body is one and hath many members... And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. You see, the many make up the one body. The one body is the church, and Christ is the head of the church. And by one spirit are we baptized into that body. Now, my thoughts are this this morning. The word one shows up quite a few times in these last three verses. Can I say to you this morning, oneness is unity. Amen. Just let that sink in just for a minute. Oneness is unity. Again, it's not numbers. Uh, it's not those things. Somebody says, well, Brother Lee, how is it possible that the many can be in unity or the many can be at what we would call oneness? I want to go to Ephesians chapter 4. Just want to share some scriptures. Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to begin at verse number 23. In in endeavoring. To keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul had a big job. He wasn't the replacement of God or Jesus who walked on the face of the earth. He didn't have the right to change words in any way whatsoever because they didn't need changed. Paul thoroughly understood the word of God. Now, when I look at these scriptures and I think about them, they mean exactly what they say. It just stands out on the page, especially when the Spirit moves upon the Word. And I've said so many times, if you're reading the Bible and you're just reading the words, there's going to be no movement. But the movement upon the Word of God is by the power of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost and that causes the word. You see, that's how God brought the world into existence in the first place. He knew what was in his mind. And the Bible said he spoke the world into existence. When he spoke, the Holy Spirit moved upon his word. That's just as real today as it was many years ago. It's that endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body. What's that saying? There's one church, but brother, there are thousands of denominations. There's thousands of non-denominations. Why? Because there's a lot, of, a lot of things that we're not in harmony with. Should it be that way? No. Shouldn't necessarily be that way. Because there's only one church. We're all trying to get to the same place. And most of us are speaking the same things. 
somebody says, well, then uh, possibly it's because they, because a particular church is closer to where we live. Well, I agree with that. There's one body, there's one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. For unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. I believe it's only through the Holy Spirit that he can bring body unity of the Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can bring unity of the faith. There is a oneness in the believer's faith. There is a oneness in the believer's spirit. And that's exactly what the Lord wanted. And he couldn't quite get the apostles, those that he left behind. He had finished his work, but the work was beginning for the church. He didn't want the church to fail, for he said, The gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. So he's invested all that there is within the church, but somewhere the church has lost its power. I, I've got to preach it just like it is. Somebody says, Brother Lee, do you feel like if there could be an uprising in the power through a new generation? Why not? Somebody says, can the younger ones get accomplished what the old ones have been trying to get accomplished? Well, there's that possibility. I don't know how all things will play out, but I do know this. If the church was without power, if the church is without the true word of God being backed up by miracles and signs, and I'm not just talking about the physical, but I am including the physical. I used to say this to the Lord, and I, I would say it in a, you know, a right way, a right tone, and say, the Lord, the reason you had so many people come out to see you was sometimes because of what you did miraculously in feeding them, in healing them, being their doctor, and doing some of these things. And he seemed to say to me, well, I said these signs shall follow them that believe. Do you believe? Sometimes he worked off of an individual's faith. Sometimes he worked off of the power that was within him. He even said in his own country, he could not do many mighty works because of unbelief. And I believe that unbelief was a spirit. It was a spirit that prevailed. It was a spirit that tried to overthrow. Sometimes we actually have faith in God. That's not the problem. But sometimes we're being, you know, we're being vexed by a spirit of unbelief. And it hinders our growth. It hinders our oneness. I believe the church is continuously being built. I believe all the members are progressively growing growing sometimes slowly and we're growing into that one body and we're growing into that oneness in unity of faith i want to share luke chapter 9 a little bit luke chapter 9 and i want to look here in the i'm, I'm getting there i want to look here in the 11th and the ninth chapter at verse 49. John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, 
And we forbade him because he followed not with us. Wow. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not. For, thee, for he that is not against us is what? Is for us. Now watch this continue on that. Verse 51. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of, of Samarita, Samaria to make ready for him. Verse 53. But they did not receive him. Now look at this. Because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. In other words, sometimes people feel like, well, you know, probably what they were saying was his preferences to be there in Jerusalem. Don't we matter? Don't we care? When the individual said unto him, we saw one casting out devils, but he didn't uh, walk with us. That's where the church gets sometimes. We're one body. I'm not talking about just with, gathered here today within these walls. We're one body and there will never be more than one body where Christ is the head of that one body than the church. Sabbatarians can't agree with each other. Pentecostals can't agree that some people are a little bit quieter. I think there's room for everybody in the church, amen? But Jesus, God himself, has to be the head of the church. God wants in our hearts what was in his heart. I think we're all genuinely, well, I think we're all genuinely trying to do what is right and what God has said in his word. But have I ever told you that the old flesh dies hard? I mean, it'll kick you back like a wild Apache creeping upon you in your backyard. That's the flesh. It'll come up in the most inopportune time. It'll display its ugly self in a child of God. There got to be some endurance, some perseverance. There got to be some humility and a lot of give and a lot of take. The Bible says, and they did not receive him. Verse 54, and when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? And he turned and rebuked them and said, you know not what manner of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but he's come to save them. And they went to another village. Wow. One church hurt because he needed to be at another place. Disciples ready to call down fire from heaven. Church folks on display. Do you know, and, and, it's, and, and, and we're not going to have any excuses when we stand before the Lord in that time, but a lot of people say, I wouldn't be a Christian because of what I've seen Christians do and how they act, and that is disgraceful. We've probably all been there where some person was looking at us and said, why would I want to be a Christian? 
if this is how it is. Well, that's, that's an excuse, but it's, it's probably right on target. Can I tell you that the Holy Spirit breaks down barriers? He's a barrier breaker downer. In God's sight, men are equal. There's no rich or poor. There's no male and no female. Does that mean all men should think alike? No. Does that mean all men are qualified to perform the same works? No. When barriers are broken down by the Spirit, prejudices dissolve. Amen? Jealousies are gone. Culture don't really mean anything. Sex don't really mean anything. Oh, praise God. What about nationality? What about status? Somebody said, well, Brother Lee, I'm thankful the Holy Spirit breaks those walls down. Does it happen quickly, Brother Lee? Usually it don't. It's a process. It's a long, slow process to be like Jesus. Go with me to Luke chapter 7. Let's back up just a little bit. And I want to look real quick here in verse number 36. A Pharisee desired him to come and eat with them. And he went into the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of ointment. And she stood at his feet behind him weeping. She began to wash his feet with tears, and she wiped them with the hairs of her head. She kissed his feet. She anointed his feet. And when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself and said, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, I tell you what, he never even opened his mouth. But sometimes you don't have to open your mouth. People can see. I had a guy recently tell me. He said, you can generally look out at the people and you can see, see visually who's saved and who's not saved. Well, I don't know if that's 100% true. But you can see a lot of things, especially you can see those negative things that appear upon an individual's faith. We're talking about church here. And uh, they said, Jesus said, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. One owed 500 pence, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he gave forgiven most. And he said unto him, Thou hast righteously judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon. He turned to the woman and he said to Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears, and she hath wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, 
But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. No water for my feet, no kiss, no oil, no forgiveness expected there. No love shown by so many. But I have enjoyed my stay. You can just hear Jesus say, this has been uh, a great time to talk about unity. Go with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. I don't have too many more texts. just want to share one or two more. And I want to pick up at verse number 26 of Galatians 3. For ye are all, listen to this, the children of God, by faith in Christ Jesus, Yeshua. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's talking about the Spirit. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise? I want to go right on in to this fourth chapter, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. That law was the law of sin and death. To redeem them that were under that law of sin and death. That we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has set forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ And I go back up to that verse number 26, for ye are all the children of God. Oftentimes, we go out, we see other people in other churches, we've gathered together, maybe it's for a funeral service or it might be for some sort of an event or whatever it is, but oftentimes we don't act like we're all children of the same God. It's really embarrassing, isn't it? It's really embarrassing. It's embarrassing to us as believers. Even seeing it, it's embarrassing. To participate in it, it's extremely embarrassing. The church is too easily swayed by personal opinion, traditional opinion, too much flesh controlling the church, too much elite controlism, too much status controlled too much headism as if man could be the head of God's church the gifts may differ but there must be harmonious actions for unity and oneness the head is in heaven and the bodies upon earth keep all God that believe in you with the ability of performing impossible possibilities Jesus said without me you can do what 
nothing. I have two more places to go. One of them is Matthew 9.35. Real quick, Matthew 9.35. I thank God for... We are nothing. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. It's a great word. Matthew 9, 35, quickly. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And he said unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous. But the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Isn't that powerful? Jesus had said in verse 5 of the 10th chapter, Go not in the way of the Gentiles. This was at a specific time that he had said this. And into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But I like verse 6. He said, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. There's an Israel according to the flesh. And there's an Israel of God which is of the spirit. I don't want to get into uh, geography. <laughs> I love geography. I love geography. I've not been a world traveler. I've been out of Oklahoma a few times, but not for long. I mean, when they say there's no place like home, I took that to mean get home before it gets dark. Amen. Lock the chickens up. Get her all done. We're the only people. Me and Connie are the only people that can go all the way to Arkansas and Missouri late. I mean, getting a late start, eating breakfast at a restaurant around 10 o'clock, go all the way to Arkansas, go the back roads even. I love the back roads. I love the streams. I love to see the waters flowing. And that's a beautiful part of country. We can go east, west, north, or south. doesn't make any difference. We can do a lot of things. Eat out again before we get home and still get home before dark in December. I'm a homer. I'm a homer. I like this part here where it said, Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. How did they know where they were going? They were scattered. They knew by... The words they spoke, they knew by the things they'd done. And God was leading them, amen. And the, as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils freely, you have received, freely give, provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses nor script for your journey. Listen to this. He said in verse 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. God was to be their unseen provision. Present help in the time of need. He said the workman is worthy of his hire, bless God. Do you want to, know, want to know one of the greatest things that will bring unity of spirit and unity of faith? 
And, and it's probably very controversial, and we're going to hear about a little bit of that next week. It's very controversial about some of the things that was there, but I believe with all of my heart we got to meet each other at Calvary. We got to hold in common the plan of redemption, the handling of the issue of sin, and the shedding of the righteous blood of God or Jesus Christ. We got to do that. We got to find some harmony and oneness, especially at the cross. And as we look for it at the cross, I'm telling you something, we'll begin to do some of the things that God has expected us to do. I want to go to Galatians chapter 6 at verse 2. Galatians 6 verse 2, and I'll close with this. He said in verse 1, let's just pick up in verse number 1. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such as one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if, he may, if a man think himself to be something, when he is not, he deceiveth himself. Let every man prove his own work, and then shall we have rejoice, then shall he have rejoicing in himself and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. But let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man says, that shall he also reap. For he that sows flesh, flesh shall of flesh, flesh corrupt corruption. That sows so spirit, spirit shall of spirit, spirit life after life everlasting. And let us let us not weary, weary in long long doing. For in for in season we shall reap. If we if faint not. Now, now look at this verse number 10. I'll close with this. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. God's no respecter of person. He's no respecter of person. Hallelujah. Sometimes we think we've got all there is. Uh, by the tail with a strong pull to bring them down. We think sometimes more of ourselves than we should. But what the good Lord taught in his walk was humility, how to be a servant, how to teach and preach his word, uh, how not to be offended in him. And I could go on and on and on and on. But I got to eat dinner here. And I got to get back to the house before dark. <laughs>